Welcome everyone to the Man Podcast, where we recognize that men are necessary, but not just any man, foundational men are necessary in our lives. I am Mike Brown, your certified health and wellness coach and lifestyle strategist, and I want to thank you for being a part of the conversation. Join me as we build foundational men through knowledge, wisdom, and insight. With that being said, let's jump into this episode. Now, as promised, I said that we were going to dive deep into what builds a foundational man. What are the qualities of the foundational man? And here we are live in the flesh, ready to rock and roll. So I'm not going to waste time with all this chit chit chat and all this banter. I'm going to jump right into this. Now, before we begin, the qualities of the foundational man are found in Galatians 5.22. So I want you to know right off that this is not me being a genius, coming up with something brand new. This is me taking what was already given to us in the blueprint and just presenting the information to you in a way that you may be able to receive the information and then also apply the information. So Galatians 5, 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we will also tackle vision and empathy along the way. All right. So I want to ask you guys a question. And it's going to answer why we have to start with love as the first quality. And why is that the most important to build our foundation on? But before we dive into that, how many of you men have been in an argument that has taken you to the gutter? Maybe you had a, a wife or a girlfriend that you had an argument with and it got personal. It, would, it was taken straight to the gutter. You were throwing punches at each other or in jabs at each other, you were trying to hit straight to the core. And maybe it was just a verbal, a verbal fisticuff, you know? But either way, it was a disagreement, an argument that went straight to the gutter. And how many of you have found yourself in relationships that every time you disagree on something, it goes to the max? Both parties are hell-bent on seeking emotional and physical destruction of someone that they say that they care about or someone that they say that they love. What if I told you that I had a cure for this? A cure that would prevent you from ever fighting to intentionally hurt someone. Have you ever heard the saying, love hurts? I'm sure many of us have. I mean, it's in songs, it's, it's in our daily sp uh, speech daily conversations. We hear it all the time. It's written on cards, emojis, and all that stuff saying how love hurts. But my question to you is, do you believe that love hurts? What if I told you that your idea of love is false and that you have been deceived like so many of us. So why love? Why do we begin with love 
in order to build a foundational man. In Colossians 3.12, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Romans 13, 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And finally, 1 John 3.18 says, Dear dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In order to build a strong foundation, you must use the strongest materials. In this case, the strongest material that we have is love. This is why love must be the foundation of a foundational man. And we're going to dive deeper into why it doesn't work any other way. I want you to take a moment to think about your definition of love. And have you ever experienced love according to your personal definition? I want you to really take some time to think about that. And as we continue to talk about love and it being the foundation of a foundational man, I want you to start thinking about your idea of love, society's idea of love, and the Bible's idea of love. Okay? We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I don't care if you haven't read the Bible or have read the Bible, or if you believe in God or you don't believe in God, that doesn't matter right now. What matters is, is that (laughs) I know that you've heard verses from this chapter, because if you have been to a wedding, chances are the pastor or the priest has read from this chapter, from this book in the Bible, but specifically 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Why? Because it speaks directly about love. What does it mean? What does it look like? What it is and what it isn't. How important love is in our lives and our world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it starts out like this. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, 
and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul said a lot of things in this, in this chapter. From verses one through uh, three, Paul is simply saying that you can have all the gifts of the world and you can sacrifice your body, you can give all your money to the poor, but if you do not have love, it is all meaningless. It means nothing. That meant that you sacrificed for show. You gave money for show, for ulterior motives. You had no love in your heart. So all of that on the outside, it looks good to the naked eye. And it looks like you were doing a great deed to the naked eye, but it is nothing. Then he goes on to explain the truth about love, what it is and what it isn't. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. That's a big one. That's a big one. How many times have you been in a situation where your significant other is saying, well, if you loved me, you wouldn't have done this and this and this and this. And then you say, yes, you're right. I apologize. I'm so sorry for that. I regret that I ever did something like that. I never thought I would ever do anything like that. And I apologize and we're here and I want to make things right for you and I want to make things better for us. And then the next argument comes up. Well, if you love me, you would have never done the same thing over and over and over. You see, love doesn't keep record. Love does not delight in evil 
but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So Paul explains exactly what love is and what love isn't. Then he proceeds, he ends the chapter by saying this. I love it. Verse 8 says it right off the top. Love never fails. Now, never. That's not sometimes. Love works sometimes. Love, 99% of the time, love is good. It works. You know, you, if you have a, a, a fail percentage of 10%, you're, you're kind of good. You're all right. 90% of the time is pretty good. No, love never fails 100% of the time. So he tells you right there that love is going to win out every time. But to dive a little deeper, he proceeds to talk about the gifts and how they will go away, how they will cease. But love will always remain. Love will always remain. And then he ends it with verse 13. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This, my friends, for all you men out there, this is why we have to begin the process of building a foundational man with love. We have to have an understanding of what love is and what it isn't. We have to have an understanding of how to love and how to communicate that love, how to show that love. If we have no understanding of that and we think that we can just do these other deeds, it's nothing. Nothing can replace love. There's no replacement for it. So since love never fails, love will conquer all. That has to be the foundation. Why? Because it is the strongest thing that we have here on earth. It is the strongest resource. It is the strongest material available. First John chapter 4 Verses 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that we, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God is love. So once again, if love comes from God and God is love, don't you think that is the best, <laughs> most perfect foundation, the most indestructible foundation that you can build yourself upon? 
that you can build any building upon, it has to begin with love. Without love, you can't do anything else. It's impossible to be a foundational man. Now, I know a lot of us men out there struggle with love because there's so much confusion out there. A lot of women are struggling with love because of the confusion out there. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna clarify all of these things before we are done with this. But we have to begin to decipher between what's a lie and what's the truth. And also we have to begin to understand how to accept that truth even though it may go against what everybody else is saying. That's part of the problem too. I mean, we're hard-headed. We can be hard-headed. I know growing up, I was called hard-headed. Why? Because I would do what I wanted to do and it didn't matter. And I could know something was wrong. And I say, well, I think I can try and get through this. Just hard-headed for no reason. But there's something I want to touch on this in this verse. They talked about knowing God. And what does it mean to know God? Some may say that they know God because their grandmother talked about him all the time. Some may say that they know God because they have heard others cry out to him in their time of need. Some may say that they know God because they know the Bible through and through. However, in this case, it's deeper than just knowing God. The scripture is referring to knowing God on an intimate level, having that relationship with God, not just knowing of him, but truly knowing him for yourself, being in his presence, feeling his love for yourself, that you're going to him and relying on him, that you're basing your life and your decisions off of his standard and not the standard of the world. So when he, when the scripture talks about knowing God, they're talking about having a, a, an intimate relationship with God, not just knowing of him or hearing his name a few times or hearing people cry out his name or you hear your grandma praying and screaming and yelling out his name. Maybe you went to church a few times. Maybe you know the Bible through and through. But have you spent that time with him on an intimate level? I want you to take a moment to think about your best friend. How did your best friend become your best friend? Think about that process. What was the process like? More than likely, the process looked something like this. There was an initial meeting and you had a good conversation and that was followed by more conversations that touched on more personal topics. Then your thoughts became focused on this particular person. And throughout the day, you began to think about things that they liked and did not like. And maybe something happened during the day that made you think about them. And through spending time together, you were able to see how they responded to adverse situations. So you saw how they treated others and you saw how they handled adversity. You became best friends because you spent intimate time together. You developed a relationship where you didn't wanna do anything 
that would jeopardize this relationship. Why? Because it meant so much to you because you spent so much time. So much time was involved and you didn't want it to be a waste of time. You didn't want to jeopardize that. Plus, what you have gotten to know about your best friend, you really admire. You don't want them to look at you differently. You don't want to do anything to hurt them. You want to please them. You spent intimate time developing this relationship. You were intentional about spending time in this relationship. And in order to know God, you must be intentional, intentional about the time that you spend with God. I'll say that again. In order to know God, you must be intentional about the time that you spend with God. So right now, the next question logically would be, well, how do I spend this time? How do I spend this intimate time with God? You can accomplish this by spending time reading and meditating on his word. You can accomplish this by prayer. Prayer is humbling, it's intentional, and it's an intimate act. And this is your time to have a conversation with God. This is your one-on-one -on -one time with God. So just like with your best friend, when you have an intimate relationship with God, you don't want to go against his word. You want to please him. You don't want to do anything that would jeopardize your relationship with him. And how could you not feel this way after you have experienced the love of God? The love of God is so overwhelming because God's love is perfect, because he is love. And once you've felt God's love through intentionally spending intimate time with him, you have a better understanding of the true definition of love and what it means to love like God. And that's why it says in verse eight, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you meet someone who is full of anger and hurt, evilness, who doesn't seem like they have a, a loving heart at all or a loving bone in their body. <laughs> that means that they do not know God. Love comes from who? God. Who is love? God. In order to really know and have an understanding of the type of love that he's talking about, the type of love, the way that God intends us to love one another, we have to draw close to him. And without drawing close to him, we are subjected to relying on the world's view of love, which is always going to fail. And what did the scripture say in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? That love never fails. It never fails when you are drawing close to God and you're going out there and you're loving the way God intended us to love when you are sharing his love the way he intended us to love. It never fails. If you're not spending time with God to experience his presence, then how can we ever know God's perfect love? 
And to be honest, the world has not been willing to spend time with God. In fact, the world has tried to change God's word. And do you remember when we talked about previously about the creator and his masterpiece? How the creator of the masterpiece is the one who defines his creation, yet the world will look at the masterpiece and add their own spin to the definition. And this is exactly what has happened with the definition of love. What does the world say about love? The world says that love is a cute cutouts of hearts. The world says that love is a $10,000 diamond ring. The world says that love is the funny feeling that you get when you're around that special someone. I mean, I can go on and on and on. The world's definition of love has become so perverse that we accept the idea that love hurts. It's a shame because we have so many people going out here and using love or expressing love in the wrong way. We have these young ladies out here searching for love in all the wrong places, searching for love through material things through that funny feeling that they may feel. You know, we have young men out here searching for love and expressing love through material things, through gestures. And yes, love is an action. It does take action, but at the same time, our standards are, are skewed because we think that if we do certain things, if we give that $10,000 diamond ring, that shows that we really love someone. If he says, I love you after the first date, that means that you really impressed him and that he really, really loves you. What standards are you using? The world's standards or God's standards? 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verses 4 through 6, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. Now, earlier I asked the question, do you believe that love hurts? Now, after hearing this verse, how on earth could love hurt? Think about the encounters that people had with Jesus in the Bible. They were overwhelmed. They cried out. They confessed their, their faith and they confessed their sins and they rejoiced and they went out and they shared their testimony with people. They experienced God's love and they understood that they were in the presence of love itself, which gave them the desire to go out and share this love with the world. 
I can't think of an encounter that someone had with Jesus and they were saying, man, you know what? Whew, I felt overwhelmed and I, I, I loved his presence. But when he left me, I was heartbroken and that hurt. It hurt. God wasn't leave, leaving a trail of broken hearts and disheveled spirits and things like that. That wasn't happening. It doesn't happen that way. Not when you're in the presence of God. Love does not hurt. It does not hurt. So whenever someone tells you that love hurts, you can reject that because now you know the truth about what love truly is. Refer back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, where in there does it say that love hurts? Everything that is not, everything that could hurt, the evil, the envy, the boasting, the proudness, the dishonor, the self-seeking, the easily angered, all those things are exactly what love is not. So don't believe that anymore, that love hurts. Love does not hurt. The world has been deceived because many have tr tried to force their own interpretation of the masterpiece that God created. Many, including myself, have believed these interpretations which were false. I used to think that love hurt. I used to think that was part of falling in love, that oh, it hurt. I believed that at one point. And when this happens, it leaves room for us to believe that love hurts. But when in reality, it is our skewed definition of love that hurts us. But now that you know the truth, and when you know the truth, you never have to believe that lie. Do you get what I'm saying with this? You see, we've been walking around believing all this nonsense about love that, you know what, if you fall in love with someone, it's going to hurt. That's it. Love hurts. And people say that so much and so freely that no one even questioned it. We just accepted it and believed it because so many people were saying it. And if so many people said it, then it must be true. And then we didn't have the audacity to go back to the blueprint, which is the Bible, and, and you know, and check and balance this thing. No one went back and, and said, okay, what, what does, is this true? What does it say about love? And when you go back to the scripture and it tells you exactly what love is and what it isn't, then you must know that love does not hurt. When we are hurt, it is because of our own actions. It is because of our skewed uh, perspective about love. When you believe the lie, you're only going to be fed lies. But when you receive the truth and you accept that truth, now you have a way out of that lie. Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 
I want to go back to Romans really quick and touch on that. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Once again, love has to be the foundation. Love is the foundation and is why you must begin to love first and know how to love and have the understanding of the definition of love to become a foundational man. And the beauty of it is any one of us can be a foundational man. We just have to understand the process of it. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> Some of us have bits and pieces. Some of us may have all the, all of uh, the other qualities sewed up. You may be living the dream with those other qualities. However, you have one to shore up. Because right now, those main... Those uh, qualities mean nothing. Why? Because you haven't had an understanding of how to show love and what type of love and what it really means. But we're going to fix that. We're going to fix that. And some of you who already have that foundation of love, but you may be weaker in other areas, man, this is only going to make it better for you. All right? So we're all on different paths but we're all heading in the same direction. And when it's all finished, we're all going to meet at the top together as foundational men. And I think that's so beautiful because all of us have different stories. We have all different adversities. We have a different path that we're taking. But in the big scheme of things, we're all aligned and we're coming together to join and form as one path. I think that's such a beautiful sight. Romans 13, 8 is saying that, in essence, love is a debt that can never be paid in full. You have to continue to love. You can't ever just say, you know what? I loved you enough. I paid that off. I don't have to love you anymore. I'm good. I'm moving on to the next person. I've loved you enough. I don't have to love you anymore. I paid off my debt. We're good. You can't do that with love, but that's what some marriages are, are doing. That's what a lot of these relationships are doing. Haven't you heard recently? I just fell out of love with this person. We just grew apart. We just grew out of love. So now I have to leave and go love someone else. Well, I have to love myself first. And that's why I have to break up this relationship. You know, I paid my debts. I've loved you enough. So now it's time for me to exit out of this relationship. This is happening. This is happening with men and women. But I want you to understand that love is a debt that can never be paid in full. I want to spend some time in 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, there's a well-known saying that we all know that actions speak louder than words, and we've all said it, we've all heard it. Some of us have said it so much that we probably don't even understand what we're saying anymore because it's just uh, become trivial banter. It's just those, those buzz phrases, as 
my good friend Nate would say, which drive him nuts, you know, <laughs> it cracks me up, you know, but it's become a buzz phrase. Actions speak louder than words, but what are you really saying? What are you really meaning? I love you. That's a saying that's frequently said to others. But unfortunately, many think that saying those words alone is enough. They think that the words can stand alone without any action. A lot of people don't realize that there must be action to validate those words. Then you have a group of people that are using these words because they know that there's a deeper meaning about love, but they don't know exactly what it is, but they know that once they say it, everybody takes a hold of it in such a fashion that it's the end all be all. So you have a group of opportunists that will say it just to get something that they want. They don't mean it. They're just saying it to say it because they know it's going to lead to something that they want. Maybe they want money. Maybe they want uh, sex from you. Maybe they want all types of just whatever it may be, whatever their desire is. If saying I love you will get them where they need to be faster, that's what they're going to do. Then there's those that say, I love you because they feel like they have to say it back. They don't mean it. They don't know what they, they don't, they don't mean it. They don't love you. They don't care to love you. They just say it just because they feel like they have to. They've been pushed up into a corner and they're just reciprocating the phrase, I love you back to you. That's what the world has done with the definition of love. When you say I love you and you put action with it, the action solidifies that the words that you are expressing are true. And God said that there are three things that will endure faith, hope and love. And the greatest of all is love. Faith enables you to believe in God. Hope allows you to persevere. But love enables you to imitate God's love through actions. Have you ever had a relationship with someone who would constantly tell you that they loved you, yet you question the legitimacy of their love for you. Why? Why did you question them? I'll tell you why. It's because their actions didn't match their words. I love you was said more than likely because they had something to gain from you. And maybe it was said after they intentionally hurt you and it was a quick way to diffuse the situation and to mend the relationship for whatever reason their actions didn't match up and i know that some people are in relationships where they're getting cursed at getting belittled and it is followed up with well you know i love you right and here you are all beaten up mentally and physically and questioning yourself and questioning his or her love for you and your reply is yes i know you love me That, that is an unfortunate situation to be in. And I know a lot of us have been in this situation, uh, have felt something similar to this situation. A foundational man's words will match his actions. 
He doesn't have to ask you if you know that he loves you because his actions have already shown you a hundred times over. A foundational man will never have to tell you that he loves you because his actions assure you that he does. However, a foundational man will tell you because he knows the importance of you hearing those words. He knows that it gives you comfort. It gives you assurance and that it melts your heart. And in turn, it comforts him to see you happy. It's a way of him showing his appreciation for you. And it also melts his heart. And men, it's okay for your heart to be melted because of your wife. That's not a sign of weakness. That's not being whipped. <laughs> All right. I don't, a lot of times we fight these feelings and these emotions and we fight the, the idea of love because we don't want to look like wimps. We need to throw that idea out the door because that's the idea that society has created. But when God said that he is love and we look at God, is he a wimp? I think not. So we need to stop looking at showing love and, and, and having your heart melt for the person that you're with as a weakness. That's not a weakness. With love, there is a level of sacrifice that is necessary, and there are a lot of men that are not willing to make those sacrifices. You must be willing to communicate openly. You must be willing to be vulnerable. That's a big one. And you must be willing to be rejected. That's a huge one. And you must be willing to accept saying the phrase without it being reciprocated. Those are all fears that have been created with love. But what did we say? Love is perfect. Love never fails. Love doesn't hurt. So you should be happy to express your love for someone. You should be happy to show love for someone. You shouldn't do it because you're expecting someone and something from it. And that's where we get into trouble. When we expect something from showing love, that's how we get the definition all messed up. Because that's not how it works. God didn't show love or Jesus didn't show love to people and then say, well, now you owe me. Or he didn't show love to people and say, well, you got to tell me that you love me back or I'm going to take this back from you. He didn't do that. He openly showed love to people. Now that we know the true meaning of love, we understand that love isn't expressed because you want something in return. It is, it is expressed because we are imitating God, who is love. When a foundational man has the understanding that love is the greatest of all, the sacrifice is easy to make because we understand the sacrifice that God made in order for us to have the opportunity to experience his love. The greatest demonstration of love is the story of Jesus. God sent his only son to pay our debt of sin. He died so that we may live. God sacrificed his only son, a son without sin, a son that is perfect in every way, a son who did no wrong to die on the cross so that we, me and you can have the opportunity to be saved and cleansed by the blood of Christ. When we live for Christ, we are able to truly have an understanding of the depths of love.
Now, we've covered a lot of information, a lot of information, but that's okay. That's why we, we speak in a manner where this is a resource for you so you can go back, you can take notes, you can re-listen. It's a, it's a resource. But I'm going to say something, and it may push people away right now. But hopefully it doesn't push you away because we've broken down what love is and why it's so important and why it has to be the foundation of a foundational man. But I want to reiterate to all you men out there that you cannot be a foundational man if you do not have love. That's not me saying it. That was written. It's just not possible. This is the one quality that you have to be strong in. This is the one quality that you must do. It's like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all the gifts, but if you do not have love, you have nothing. And how do you begin the process of learning how to love? First, we define love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 6. And whenever you find yourself questioning what love is or isn't, refer back to this passage. It's an excellent reminder about the truth, the true definition of love. So that was the first thing. We had to define love. We had to be have a clear definition of what love is and what it isn't. And as you see, love is all of these beautiful things. And it never fails. We read that God is love, and if God is love, then we must draw closer to God. We must be intentional about spending time in his word, reading and meditating on his word. We must also spend time in prayer. This is how we built that intimate relationship with God, the same concept of how we built that intimate relationship with our friend. This is how we know God and not just know about God through experiencing his love, then you will have a foundation of how to show his love. Again, we must be intentional about showing love, not the type of love defined by society, but God's love. It's more than speech. It takes action. To all you listeners, men and women, do you remember when I told you that I had a cure that would prevent you from ever fighting to intentionally hurt someone? Now that you have become aware of the depth of love and its definition, you will never have to be involved in an argument that consists of intentionally cutting someone down mentally and physically. Love is the cure. Why? Because love never fails. And I say that with a smile because once you come to that understanding, you put everything else aside. You know that you have a resource that can get you through anything because love never fails. I hope that you gained a deeper insight about love, a, a foundation 
built on love will never fail. Love conquers all. So, how could you ever lose when you're operating on a foundation of love? There's no way you lose when you're operating on a foundation of love. We will continue the process of building a foundational man and we will be discussing joy next episode. And who doesn't want a joyful person in their lives? And I know that we have some Scrooges out there that will say otherwise, but eventually even the Scrooges will want some joyful person or some joy to come into their life. No one wants to be living all miserable for the rest of their life or living alone for the rest of their life. It just doesn't work that way. It just takes them a little bit more time, maybe a minute or two, but they'll come around. So remember that the new episodes of the Man Podcast, the Men Are Necessary Podcast, are released every Friday. If you are seeking to have one-on-one coaching to take it a step further to break through your barriers, remember you can go to beyondsitewellness.com and schedule your free consultation. And remember that we are in the business of healing and not hurting. And remember that you are necessary. You have a purpose to fulfill and to keep being the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. That's what foundational men do. Until we meet again, my friends.